to a new RFM. It's time for Pet Chat. And today we're joined by our pet vet, Dr. David Tabret. And your special Hello, subject, Jane. David, is? Um, I thought we might talk about dental care for your pets, at least from a home perspective. So Excellent. a bit of advice for people. And Julie Tolliday joins us as well. And Julie, who are we talking to today? We're talking to Justin Jordan, who's a dog trainer from Jordan Dog Training in Queensland, and he's got a very special, exciting role because he's training a mascot for a football team. To a new RFM's Pet Chat, and Julie Tolliday, we've got an interesting interview coming up. We do indeed. Hi, Justin. Hi, Julie. How are you going? Well, thanks. So you're from Jordan Dog Training in Queensland, and we're going to talk today about your very exciting extra role. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing up there? Yeah, certainly. All right. So um, late last year, we were approached by the Queensland Reds, which is um, rugby union, um, Queensland's probably leading rugby union team, um, looking for the opportunity of uh, training up a little red cattle dog or a dog at that stage to be their team's mascot, attending all of their home games um, and all of their media events. So we had the role of finding a dog as in a puppy and training it up to be a suitable mascot for their team which it's been doing absolutely famously since then. Yes, I've been following that. And tell us about the breed. It's an Australian red cattle dog. Um, Now, the breed wasn't important to the Queensland Reds. We were basically given the charter of finding a dog that was suitable to be able to go to the the games, um, handle the crowds, handle children, not be phased by large crowds, noises and all that sort of stuff. So we chose an Australian red cattle dog because of their... um, temperament, um, being able to work, uh, their durability to work long hours, etc. So yeah, that's why we ended up with that sort of particular breed. Not saying that the other, any other breeds weren't suitable though. Yeah, great. And look, I've been following it, of course, because of our connection. What age did Red Dog come to you? Uh, we got him just over eight weeks of age, which is the optimum sort of an age to get a puppy, um, with the old saying being nine weeks in, nine weeks out. Um, so we wanted to make sure we got them at that perfect age so we could start moulding behaviour and temperament, etc., right from the get-go rather than leaving it too late and then seeing that we had bad habits that we had to try and undo, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Now, at that age, of course, we all do work desensitising puppies. Tell us about the things you had to desensitise Red to. Well, a couple of the major things, obviously, um, at the game, he's expected to sit on the sidelines. So he's right next to the action alongside myself. So we've got balls flying in, we've got players flying in, we've got umpires running backwards and forwards, segways, cameramen, people screaming and shouting, um, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the big thing is getting them used to crowds and loud noises. Um, so we put a lot of work into that right pretty much basically from the day we got them so that just nothing would face them. Because obviously if you've ever been to a live football game or a sporting event, if something happens, a try or whatever it might be, Generally, the crowd get up and start screaming and yelling and yahooing about it and applauding. So we needed to make sure that if that or when that does happen, he didn't jump up startled or get spooked by it. Yes, and I, I, well, you've certainly done a very good job of it. Now, I was under the impression with the early photos that I saw that all this little puppy did was slept on the sidelines, but you've actually explained to me, and I'd like you to share, why you got him into the position to be sleeping on the sidelines when he was young. Well, we pretty much wanted them absolutely proof of anything. So um, on the first time, few times that we were attending the games, we just made sure that we kept them as active as we possibly could through the day. So hopefully um, by the time he was on the sideline, he'd be a bit 
tired, if you like. So he's just inclined, like, no, I don't really care what's going on. I'm, I'm comfortable. I just want to have a bit of a snooze. So, again, that was just so that with all that noise and disruption going on around him, bright lights, etc., it's like, I don't really care. It's all good. So the first few games, we really did make sure he was pretty tired leading into that. Um, keeping in mind, leading into the game as well, he was expected to go and do public appearances and have photos with young kids and all that sort of stuff. So by the time he actually gets to the sideline, he's already done probably close to two hours' worth of work already. So, yeah, for a young puppy, he's pretty much ready for a snooze anyway. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so again, the key was just getting him tired so he would speak through that first bit. Yeah, I, I think that was great. And now you do the opposite, don't you? You try to get him to rest so he'll be active when he's there. Absolutely, because now there's an expectation that he will do tricks when um, our team, the Queensland Reds, obviously score a try or whatever it might be. Um, he has a dedicated camera focused on him. So I wear a little earpiece. So I get a little warning from Fox Sports or whoever it might be saying, Red Dog's on five minutes, unless there's been a try just at the last second, obviously. And at that time, he's got to be awake and he's got to be able to do a high five or a spin or a rollover or something like that just to... You know, basically celebrate the try or whatever it is that our team has just got. And how does so, the crowd react to that? Do they cheer him too? They absolutely do. It's just absolutely astounding, the, um, the reception we're getting from the crowd. Um, in some cases, and some of the players might get a tiny bit you know, funny about this, but if we're walking through the crowd with Red Dog, um, some of the players actually get snobbed in favour of Red Dog. Oh, uh, the dear. players stand back and say, oh, that was lovely. <laughs> He's just so cute and he's so personable and he just absolutely adores the attention and the cuddles from the people. So, yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, there's a lot of proofing going into that in the early stages. Of so course. And so anybody it. doing almost anything to him within reason, obviously. Yes. So, so what's his, what are his jobs at the game? So, how, how does he start out with at the beginning of the game? What, what does he have to do? His duties. Well, initially when we get there, we walk the tunnel. So we um, get in and we go and say hello to some of the players if they're up. Remember, the players, it's a professional sport. This is their job. So quite often they're quite G'd up, ready for the game. They're very focused on what they're doing. So yes. sometimes their energy is, hey, the game, not, you know, hey, there's a cute puppy. <laughs> okay. um, but he's there as a bit of a support and a bit of a you know, warm fuzzy, if you like, for them. Um, he also then, after that, has to go to the precinct in front of um, Suncorp Stadium. So that's where he goes and meets and greets all the fans as they come in. Um, some of the players will be out there as well, meeting and greeting fans. So it's photo opportunities, basically. So families come in and they can have a photo with Red Dog or a pat with Red Dog. Or you know, some of the kids like to be able to get Red Dog to do a couple of their tricks. So yes. uh, it's just that warm, fuzzy sort of thing we like to do with them. Yeah. Um, from there, we then go to, into the stadium itself and onto the sideline, so that's where all the media is starting to get ready for the kickoff of the game. And so sometimes there's some media interviews with players or the coaches or whatever, and Red Dog's quite often um, expected to be there to be part of that, as in just the nice cute puppy mascot. Um, up till then, just before the players run onto the field, it's now Red's job to run the players out onto the field. So just before kickoff, before all the players run out, um, he's in the tunnel in front of the players. I'm out in the middle of the field. When we get the nod, basically we call him and he sprints out into the middle of the field wearing his little jacket, um, followed by the captain and the rest of the players. So, again, just a bit of an exciting lead into the game, basically. 
Oh, that well, that, that's good. I know I asked you for the whole game thing, but I'm I'm one I'm feeling a bit time conscious now, Justin. I, I feel like the picture that you've created um, is going to make people want to see have a visual. Where could they go to get the best visual so they can have a look at this gorgeous little dog? If they did want to follow his progress and his growing, like we've got photos right from um, when he was a tiny little puppy, so two or three weeks of age, just before he came to live with us, um, right through some of his major events. So there's lots of photos, and there will be lots of photos and little feedback things. He's doing this, he's doing that. Um, like he's got the gala ball coming up, so we're going to have him fitted out for a tux in right. the next week. So there'll be photos of that. Um, so to see all that sort of stuff, if they jump on my webpage, which is just Jordan Dog Training, um, right. There is a segment there that is dedicated to him and what he's doing and his media appearances. Well, thanks heaps, Justin. Maybe you're going to have a whole lot of New South Wales followers now. Uh, yes, I'm <laughs> sure they will. Of course, they want to follow us. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Justin. That was Justin Jordan to a new RFM's pet chat, and that was Bobby Helms, my special angel. And Dr. David Tabret, you've got a special subject today. Yes, Jane. Well, All look, to do with the teeth. At this time of the year, a lot of our uh, veterinary clinics are talking about dental health, and we actually have Dental Health Month. So one of the things that we often talk about is pets need to come in for their teeth cleaning and so on, and that's not so unusual. I mean, we do the same for ourselves. We have to go to the dentist. But what about looking after our pet's teeth at home? Because obviously, um, you know, we have dental uh, care for ourselves again at home, but a lot of the time that gets put into the too hard basket. You mean for the pets? Yes. Yes. Well, and hopefully not so much for yourself, but, um, and it can, it, it can be a little bit difficult, but I think with some planning and with a little bit of training, that, uh, your pets can uh, be quite comfortable with you looking after their teeth to some degree at home. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to avoid all future trips to the vet dentist, but it's certainly, again, like ourselves, going to make sure that they've got happier, healthier teeth. And healthy teeth means healthy body. So there's a few areas to focus on. Now, the first first one is going to be um, if you're brushing brushing their teeth. That's probably the gold standard. And look, it's not for everyone, and I get that. But there's a few little tips. First of all, we don't tend to do it in puppies under six months, okay? Because really, they're not, they don't have the degree of dental disease that's there. Um, they're very playful around the mouth. And so we might, um, involving when we go through with puppy preschool, we might want to make sure that they will tolerate someone looking in their mouth and that's good. But we're not going to sit them down sort of every night or every second night and brush their teeth. Um, the other side of the coin is that we probably need to be starting this really before they're one year of age because going near a pet's mouth, you know, they can take a little bit of offence at that. So it is part of a behaviour and training thing as much as a health thing so that you're able to access and have a look at their pet's mouth. Now, it's very important that if you are thinking about doing this that you actually make sure you see your veterinarian and they have a full uh, dental exam just to make sure that there's no pockets of uh, inflammation or dental disease already there because obviously that could be painful and pets don't really show pain in their mouth like you might expect you know if they've got a sore foot they'll limp but if they've got a sore tooth what do they do you know snarl well <laughs> yeah, certainly if you go near that near that part um, they're still going to eat because we all have to eat and what they do is they just move the food around so it's not sore on their gum so just make sure you get your pet checked out 
uh, first before you start this process. Now, there's all sorts of toothbrushes and so on. We won't go into the details here, and certainly it's a little hard to describe over the radio. So it's not the same as we would use for ourselves? Well, there, there is, actually. You can get uh, pet dental toothbrushes and little finger brushes as well. There's all different types, and it really depends on your pet. Is it a big dog? You know, if you've got a, a big Mastiff-type dog, uh, which have got huge teeth compared to, say, a little chihuahua or something who's got tiny, tiny teeth. You're going to have a completely different approach to those guys. The other important thing is toothpaste. Now, don't use human toothpaste. We do use um, pet toothpaste. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that human toothpaste, as we know, contains fluoride, and it's not designed to be swallowed. It's there to protect the teeth. Um, but if you actually swallow vast amounts of it, it can build up in your body. So we can't instruct our pets to do that. So we stay away from human toothpaste. And we will use a pet, a, you know, an animal toothpaste. And most of them come in things like a beef flavor or chicken or a malt flavor, something like that. And they're quite tasty. And it makes it an enjoyable experience for your pet. So you've got your toothbrush. Uh, you've started between six months and one year of age. You do have to go through a training program. They've been examined by the vet, and you've got your toothpaste. That's part of the, the structure of getting this program in place. And obviously it takes some degree of further instruction, training, talking to your veterinary team about how am I going to clean my pet's teeth. But just be aware, some pets aren't. They're not going to like it. So we don't want anyone to get bitten. You know, we're not we're not saying they have to do this, but it certainly will make a, a happier, healthier tooth. Now, there are some diets that can also help. And the, the key feature of these diets, you will see them marketed as dental health. We tend to think um, dry food's better, but most dry food is actually like a very small particle that's just compressed and stuck together. And all it does is it just shatters when it hits the tooth whereas these uh, dental diets are actually got fibres in them and they split and they slide down the tooth. And when they do that, they actually remove some of the plaque and tartar buildup. So that's also very good. So that does part of the job. It does part of the job, but importantly, it doesn't clean under the gum. And that's where the process starts. So as I said at the start, you don't get out of... Uh, it's not going to avoid altogether the need for regular dental cleaning, um, every year or two throughout their life because when they go into the vets and they have that done under anaesthetic, they'll actually go get cleaned under the gum. So a dental diet is part of our treatment, but it's more after they've had the clean to help keep the teeth clean um, and along with your regular brushing, of course. So there's just a few tips. Uh, at this time of the year, we're talking dental health uh, for people to look after their pets at home. To NURFM's Pet Chat, it's 25 to 1, and we're taking your calls on 49216216. And Chris from Maryville, you've got a, a problem with your Labrador. I do. Um, he'll be eight in November, and I got him as a rescue dog at four. Um, and every spring, when the summer grass start, he gets he starts scratching. And he's been to the vet, he's been on antihistamines, he's been on steroids but nothing, and he's had sprays on him. Um, and I noticed today he's just scratched a big bit off his rump and it's actually bleeding, so it's starting earlier and earlier. Oh, and I'm dear. just not sure what I can do to stop him doing this. Um, Chris, it's a, a very common problem that we do uh, hear about. And whilst we tend to think that uh, 
we're going to see seasonal influences, and we do. We mm. do see problems more in the spring and summer. Um, one of the one of the features that you've talked about is the fact that this is starting to flare up now, and that actually gives us a little bit of a clue about what might be going on, because mm-hmm. when we see non-seasonal reactions like this, um, then allergies are, are probably the number one thing I would be thinking of. Okay, mm-hmm. now there's a diagnostic process to work out exactly what's going on because we have to make sure that there's no, you know, mites and that flea control is good and yep. so on. But certainly a large number of dogs that we see have a degree of allergic skin disease. And this could be um, various grasses. It could be um, flowering plants, pollens. It could also be actually the most common allergen in Australian dogs. And this is from, a, I think, a 10-year study at Sydney University was found the most common allergen was house dust mite. Um, and so I think from the human field, and I'm... Not my area of expertise, but the uh, the situation's the same in people. So pets suffer with these sort of allergies as much as we do, and the the predictable thing is that they tend to just keep getting worse and worse. And like you said earlier in the season, mm. so the, it sounds like the process that you've been through, like with the various medications, washes, and so on, yep. is appropriate. But like a lot of these dogs, it doesn't really get on top of it. Um, no. He has his bed clothes and everything washed once a week. This is a pampered pooch, yep. so I don't know what else to do with him. Well, the uh, the next step usually that we do with pets that have gone through this process is actually to start to talk to pet owners about the idea of hyposensitization or allergy vaccines. So what happens is that your pet would be referred to see a, a veterinary dermatologist and mm-hmm. um, they have an allergy test where... Their, their skin is injected with all these different, you know, extracts from various plants and so on, and yep. then they make up a vaccine against whatever your pet is allergic to. So it's very, very specific and targeted. And in probably 70% of dogs, it's going to produce an improvement uh, to where you're noticing that um, they're not scratching as much. Now, they may still require some medication, but yep. in most dogs, you're going to get good improvement that uh, your dog's not suffering as it has been over the past few years. Mm. So uh, Now, you, you still need to continue with the various shampoos and so on, but I'd certainly s- suggest before you head into spring and summer um, to talk to your veterinarian and perhaps uh, investigate the idea of seeing a dermatologist to, to investigate this further. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. Good on you, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for your question, Chris. And Yvonne joins us now from Nelson Bay. Hi, Yvonne. What can we do for you? Oh, well, it's not for me. Oh, well, it probably is, but it's for my dog. I've got a little sturdy cavalier here that wants to meet everyone at the front door and jump all over them. Now, how do I stop it? Uh, this is um, an area. This is a question I've heard before, Julie Tolliday, and I know that you've got a bit of a you've got a great answer for this one, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I have. Right. So, the, so the question is that there's, you've got a cavalier and it jumps all over people at the front door. Yes. So nothing wrong with having your dog inside. That's fine. Two things you need, two bits of equipment. Keep a collar on the dog and keep and keep a lead hanging at the front door. You're never going to beat the dog to the front door, but when you get there, you need to show the dog that it's your job to answer the door. So you click a lead on the dog and you just manoeuvre the dog so that you're standing in front of them. And in dog language, if you're in the front, 
you're going to greet that um, intruder first. You're going to uh, you're going to take care of it. You're in the front position, so they're in the in the back line. Then, okay. and once you've got them, then I'll tell you that with little dogs like this, as soon as you put that lead on and put them behind you, they usually just go, oh, whoops, and just stand there. But And you've got the dog under control then, then you've got to control the people. The people are ridiculous because what they... Well, they are. They are sorry. But they but they bend down and go, hello, and oh, you're there going, oh, yeah. please, you know, could you just stand back a bit? Just let my dog calm down. Then no, when the dog, saying, get down, get down. <laughs> yes, yes. So now, once you've got the dog on the lead, I tell you, your friends are going to turn and they're going to go, oh, let me say hello. And you need to say, no, just wait until the dog's calm and then you can pat so the dog's learning to be quiet, be behind you, um, and then it'll get a pat for being quiet and sitting. Oh. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much. Good, Good luck with that. Pet Chat. And we are taking your calls, and it's Michael who joins us now from Adamstown Heights. Hi, Michael. What can we do for you? Hi there. Look, uh, we've got a um, a little Siamese uh, cat mm-hmm. who is suffering from pretty severe constipation. Mm. Uh, she's been to the vet, and she's had all sorts of tests and what have you. Um, and, but somebody recommended to my wife to give her psyllium, mm-hmm. which looks like a very bland kind of powder just wondering how you would administer it and what quantities you'd use um well first how old's your cat she's 12 12 all right and what's her name lulu lulu, lulu okay yes. well depending on the investigations that you have had Um, Look, it's not an uncommon problem in older cats. Very often we'll see it in long-haired cats, and usually there's a clue there that they're getting self-grooming and hair gets in their gut and so on. The same can actually happen with short-haired cats, but uh, it's probably less of an issue. As long as there's no history of trauma like uh, pelvic fractures and things like that, then... No, there's nothing nothing at all. She's... she's, um, been sort of thoroughly checked out and, and um, everything's in good health a- apart from the fact that um, the vet said that the constipation has caused a urinary tract infection which was pretty Ooh. unpleasant. Oh, that's nasty. Okay. But she seems yep. to be, it seems to be um, rather a difficult problem in spite of the, the medication she's been given. She's still... Um, um, it seems to be difficult to get a result, if I can put it that way. <laughs> sure. Now, um, do you have any other animals? No. Okay, good. And I would, first of all, make sure that you've got probably multiple litter trays yes. would be one. Make sure she's got ample opportunity and, you know, doesn't have to run from A to B and so on. The other thing, and this is, it's such a big area because even things like arthritis in the hips could be an issue as well. But um, from a, if it's if we've ruled out all of those mechanical reasons and we don't have a necessarily a behavioural problem or a problem with availability uh, for toileting, then we do see uh, functional obstructions, which is basically where they get X-rays and so on, and everybody goes, well, it all looks okay, but she's still constipated. So oftentimes we're then using medication and/or dietary therapy, which is pretty much where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Um, we do want to make sure that she ingests enough water, so we talk about you know making sure they have wet food diets rather than just dry food. Um, in some cases, there's medication that helps the gut to contract, and 
In the case of psyllium, what we're actually looking at there is a bulking agent. So psyllium oh. is just um, metamucil, basically. Oh. So it's uh, psyllium powder, and it can be sprinkled over their food. Um, in people, sometimes drink it, but I don't think you're going to get your cat to drink psyllium in a liquid. So it's probably going to be, you know, a half a teaspoon on the food. And again, this is going to depend on diet um, and what sort of food she eats. But I have seen cats eat it, but sometimes they can be a little bit finicky. And they're the vet said she's only allowed to. Oh, sorry, interrupting. She's yeah. only allowed to eat um, wet food. Yeah, you would definitely need to speak to your veterinarian about adding in that. And it may be that they've already considered that and said, "Look, we'll do that next," or ruled it out for various reasons. So I wouldn't go ahead with any plans to do it unless you have spoken with your veterinarian. I think that it was the vet that told my wife to get it. To get but, it, yeah. But didn't mention any how quantity to do it. or how to. Um, well, we didn't know what psyllium was, so oh, right. I didn't know until my wife bought it that it's a powder. Yeah, um, you just sprinkle it over their food, but about, probably about half a teaspoon, I would think. And oh, it's, okay, then. And, and the reason why I say I think is because it's a guideline, and then you just simply adjust the dose depending on the cat's actions, so whether it produces a result for you or not. So the, how often should a, um, a cat... Have a bowel evacuation. Oh, a... yeah, probably every day, because being oh. a being a carnivore, the um, what we call the gut transit time is um, is shorter than an omnivore, which uh, so they they tend to have a higher protein diet. But um, I would say every day. But obviously, you know, once things start to build up, what happens is that the colon. Um, which uh, is where she's constipated, it has a couple of actions, and one of them is it withdraws water. So the longer that the stool sits there, it's actually going to dry out and things get worse, and that's why we've got to make sure we get on top of this relatively soon. And ultimately, some cats end up requiring surgery as a treatment, and that's we you want to avoid that if you can. So whatever can be done through dietary therapy and medication... Um, is going to be best, and half a teaspoon once a day or every second day, depending on how that produces a result. And I think you'll find, well, fingers crossed, it works for you. So Good luck with that, Michael. To a new RFM's Pet Chat, and it's time we had a look at our Pet of the Week, Sarah Hello, Farnia. hello. It's been a couple of weeks because I've been off sick and haven't been here, so it's nice Great. to do it again. Thank you. Is I love that, that preg- top. Pregnancy glow. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got a very special boy today for our pet of the week. We've got Puppy Chandler. Now, as oh, no. always, you can head to 2NURFM.com, uh, click on our lifestyle shows and pet chat. Now, he is a very special boy. Uh, he's very handsome. He's a male Australian cattle dog cross American bulldog. Now, everyone says he's pretty special because when he was a little pup, he had a very, very rough start, but he's now six months old and he's extremely healthy and he's a very happy dog. He loves everyone. Now, Chandler's really well behaved. He loves going for walks. He loves playing with the foster family's dogs of all ages and sizes, so he gets on with any dog. And the really great thing about Chandler is he loves cats and kittens. Uh, the foster family have both, and he's very gentle with them, absolutely loves them. Uh, he loves going for drives in the car, puts his head out the window. He also loves to run around in the yard, especially with a soccer ball, and he's great at playing soccer. If you want to see a video of him playing soccer, soccer you can also view that at 2nurfm.com but he's very good um 
terrific with children. He recently went for a trip to the Girl Guides and he was very friendly. He was surrounded by 10 little girls all wanting to pat him. Not a problem. So he really is a very lovable, friendly dog. He does sleep inside at night time. And look, if you're willing, he would love to sit on the lounge for cuddles, maybe watch an episode of TV. Who knows? But he's just beautiful. Maybe he likes watching The Bachelor. I don't know. Um, but look, he's had all of his... It with starts Sarah. tonight, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's had all of his uh, vet work done. His bags are packed. He really does need a home. So he's ready for a new adventure. He's a good boy and he'll be your best friend for life. Now Chandler's adoption fee is $400 um, but that does include his dissexing, vaccinations, flea and worm treatments and microchipping. So if you're interested, please head to our website or alternatively you can call Anita and her number is 0400 And we might just have time for your question if you'd like to give us a call on 49216216 and in the meantime, uh, Julie Tolliday, last week we started talking about a balanced relationship with your dog and how to have one. Would you like to make a couple more comments on that? Yes, I would. It uh, feels like it's Chapter 2 now. Um, I'll read you what the, the guideline was. Don't wait for the dog to develop bad habits like chewing the furniture or urinating on the carpet before you intervene. Assume the behaviour is likely to happen and act preemptively to manage it before it happens. In other words, we'd say set the dog up for success. Don't let them have a free roam in the house where they're going to do that. They're going to do that toileting accident. I always say to people, dogs are only doing what dogs do. They just live that way, but we don't. They wee wherever they want. They growl and snarl or jump or, you know, they eat wherever they want and they're messy, but that's what dogs do. We don't like it. We need to show them how to, where the, where the line is in the sand. And we can do that very positively by setting them up not to fail. The next one says, supply your dog with acceptable outlets for his doggy behavior rather than punishing it. So things that dogs do and they like to do, like jump like if you've got dogs that like jumping set up a little agility course in your backyard teach them how to jump through a hoop or or over a hurdle take them out on walks where they get to do some jumping whether it's to chase or catch a ball that can help with that sort of behavior my next one says don't lay guilt trips on your dog Dogs are neither moral nor immoral, which I think is a very nice statement. They're amoral, meaning that they respond to what they understand to be the consequences of their behaviour. So manipulate the consequences, meaning that dogs will repeat whatever pays them. So if it works for them, if barking at the door makes you open the door, they will keep barking at the door. So set them up that they understand that that won't let them in. And we do have one last caller. Right. Sue ring, has rung in from Woodbury, and you've got a question for our team? Yes, I was um, thinking about the, what the gentleman said earlier about the toothpaste, um, using doggy toothpaste rather yes, than human, because ours has fluoride in it. Mm. What about the fluoride in the water? I was wondering, oh, dogs that's... drink plenty of water. Yeah. And our um, water fluoridated. Very, very small amounts, so it's not going to be harmful. Um, it's like in the realm of parts per million in the drinking water, and mm. that will help to prevent some tooth disease, but it's not going to cause any risk of um, you know, damage to the body because they're swallowing human toothpaste. That's actually a good question, though. Mm. Very Thanks good question. for the answer. And that's just about uh, time for Pet Chat today. We've got news coming your way in three minutes' time. Thank you, Dr. David Tabrett. 
Thank you very much, Jane. And thank you, Julie Tolliday. Thanks, Jane. And we'll be back next Wednesday after the midday news on 2NURFM.